You're listening to One Good Take, the podcast that delves into the nitty-gritty of film development and distribution and explores the often elusive chemistry that brings the film to life. I have with me on the show today an award-winning and Emmy-nominated director, writer and producer. He's been working in the industry since 2010, beginning as a first assistant director and editor. His name is Bowman Modine. How's it going, Bowman? It's going very well, uh, Mick. Yeah, no, things are things are going well. I'm uh, I'm sitting here in Los Angeles. Um, it feels like it could be anywhere, though, because you know, obviously, work has kind of uh, slowed down um, here and there. Little, you know, little productions are are taking place, but yeah, but it really feels like uh, everybody's kind of waiting, waiting with bated breath to to really get going. Yeah, um, no, exactly. Yeah. Strange, strange, strange times, you know, strange times. <laughs> so um, talk to us about perhaps one of your projects that is at least making a bit of headway, you know, in spite of what we're all facing. Yeah, no. Um, <clears throat> so so I've got uh, m- most recently I have a, a project called uh, Ghosts of Manhattan, uh, which uh, which is an animated series based on George Mann's uh, books uh, that goes by the same name. and. Um, He's a British writer, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a, he's he's a, up in the Midlands. Um, he's okay. a, he's, he's yeah. a fantastic writer. He's um, uh, he's working on the new Star Wars series as they kind of expand uh, in that in that franchise's timeline. Uh, he's also he's 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 written a lot of Sherlock Holmes and uh, mystery crime uh, genre pieces. Um, I, I think he even did. Yeah, he did uh, uh, a Doctor Who series uh, book series as well. Yeah, he's he's an amazing writer. He's a good friend. Um, we met about a year and a half ago, and while we were uh, while we were in the writers' room together on another show, he you know he kind of pitched me uh, Ghosts of Manhattan. And being being um, I don't know if he did that strategically as I as I'm from New York, but like it had all the it had all the hallmarks of of everything I like. Like it's a it's a love letter it's a love letter to um to 1920s New York City. And uh, but it, but it goes into an alternate history where um, where uh, England kind of uh, used uh, super weapons during World War One to just win. Uh, to uh, but but at the sacrifice of the uh, um, you know the American forces, and so there's kind of this this Cold War happening um, uh, between the two. Uh, and uh, it's a, it's a fantastic it's it's kind of it's a it's a it, it, it's like a, if you've ever seen The Shadow. Uh, or any of the the kind of fedora wearing precursors to Batman, uh, yeah. The, go- the ghost of Manhattan is very much so noir. Yeah, look. exactly, exactly. So I just fell in love with it immediately and um, reached out to my friend uh, David Uslan uh, and Michael Uslan, who are actually uh, the executive producer. You know, uh, Michael Uslan is the executive producer behind all of. If it has Batman on it, his name is on it. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, and then when we reached out then to Legion M. Which is a very interesting uh, uh, a development and production company. Um, they have a couple movies. They, they just came, they just did uh, Color Out of Space uh, and Mandy, and um, and uh, who knows where it was going to go. But but basically, ever since COVID, uh, the sh- there's been this big shift to animation. Yeah. Um, because by by nature of the of the craft, you know, an animator can be isolated um, exactly, and still yeah. uh, do their job, possibly even do their job better. Um, uh, from home, and so since since just at the beginning of the year, um, that that demand has been growing, and so I, I've leaned I've leaned into the the animation world, uh, even though I, I I come from live action, um, 
So that's that's kind of I would say that's probably the most important project uh, on my docket right now. Yeah, uh, of, you know, and we're we're in the middle of pitching and stuff like that, and it's going really well. Yeah, and and your director and producer, or or one or the other. Uh, for that one, so I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning so much about uh, how episodic, I, I, you know, and maybe I should say I'm, I'm, I've, I've done some episodic work, but it's always been through the vein of, of theatrical, right? And so the director is front and center uh, uh, with, uh, with, this, uh, with this longer form episodic stuff. Um, you know, the showrunner um, is really uh, dr- the driving force behind uh, the project. So I'll be a producer, possibly a writer. And uh, and we'll we'll kind of see where that goes from there. Aaron, Aaron Waltke, by the way, is our is our showrunner. He's uh, he's fantastic. He's he's just come off of uh, the, the Star Trek animated series. Yeah, I saw the concept work. It looks pretty amazing. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you're 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 real on uh, YouTube. Look great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who's who's your artist on that? Your your concept artist. Yeah, the uh, there is a. There's a, there's a group of uh, what what for this one. So if you if you've seen the Netflix show Castlevania, um, uh, the company Powerhouse uh, is uh, is is going to be uh, our animation and 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 visual development uh, part of the team. Um, and they are yeah. I mean they, you can see their work. They, uh, they 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 they're they're fantastic. It's it's two two dimensional artwork, which is. Um, I, I, frankly, I like that style a little bit more um, with 3D elements, but but uh, I guess I guess you'd call it traditional animation um, as opposed to kind of the newer CGI stuff and everything. So um, yeah, yeah, they're 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 fantastic. And the series would be what eight or twelve episodes, something like that. I you know it's inter- yeah it's interesting the um it, the, uh, the 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 length of a season. Uh, of television these days, or I guess, I mean, so much more we're saying streaming uh, seasons, right? Which, you know, you, you just lay them out there all at once. So you don't, you don't parcel them out. Um, it seems like everything is going toward eight episodes. I'm actually, I, I, I yeah, I don't know. What, and oh, that was oh, eight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, ratchet, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It's amazing. You should see that. If you yeah. I've, I've, I actually yeah. started just, uh, just a couple of, I mean, I'm on episode two. Yeah, they are. Well, I think those uh, anamorphic lenses, aren't they? they yeah, yeah. And I mean, look. I don't know what LUT they're using, but I mean, the the, the colors are so, yeah. so clean just and extraordinary. solid. Yeah, yeah. just extraordinary. Yeah. Makes me feel like I'm watching one of the the, the colorized. Uh, if you've ever seen the red shoes, or even even um, Wizard of Oz, like it, it feels. Yeah, it's almost like an animation picture in some yeah. ways. Do, do you not feel it's so sort of surreal? Uh, yeah, yeah, just <laughs> yeah, a dream. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, somebody's dream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So going back up a little bit to the genesis of this one, George met up with you and pitched his idea and series and, and so on to you, and then you got in touch with yeah. Michael Michael Uslan, or, or how did it work? What, yeah, Mike, Michael and Michael and David Uslan. Yeah, okay. And and then from there you started to build the project together and 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 find the animation company and yeah, and so yeah, on. That's that's. Uh, you know, you you have to. It's it's funny. You know, it's it's times like these that I really, you know, there's a reason why the producer is the one that goes up at the academy and and and, and accepts for best picture. You know, um, and it's it's really a the amount of work that a producer has to do. Um, and of course, you know, you talk to every filmmaker probably has their own definition of what a what you know what a what a producer is. But I, I would say that 
that the amount of work that you know David and Michael and myself before that because it took me a while before I you know I could get it in front of David. Um, I think we were it was a 2019 Comic Con and uh, or I guess 2018. Yeah, because 2019 Comic Con got canceled. Yeah, I think right. Uh, maybe maybe I'm mixing my ears up, but um, but. Uh, but yeah, no, it, 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 and, and, you know, and, and that happened over the course of a, 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 a coffee, you know? And did you know David beforehand or was he, you know? I did. We, we, we'd always wanted to, we'd always wanted to work together, but, um, you know, we're always, we were always having, uh, yeah, just, you know, it's funny, you want to work yeah. with, uh, with people, but you have to, you still have to find the perfect project. It's never, I mean, <laughs> at least not for me, it's never like, oh, I've got this script that I really like, you should make it. And then somebody goes, great, I'll make it then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It has to it has to fit timelines. You have to find that perfect project that fits uh, in timelines, content, budget, scope, and then of course opportunity. And 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 really, a you know the main producer on any project is going to have to navigate all of those things, and typically do it without do it without pay. You know, Um, so yeah. So it's it's um, yeah. That's that's more or less how it happened, but. You know, once I got it to David, it's not like he instantly snapped his fingers and was like, "Oh, I know the perfect people." We had to find those people, and those people were um, were yeah. powerhouse. And how did you find them? Um, and and uh, I, honestly, uh, uh, David had a list of people, you know, um, uh, and uh, that he, you know, he had contacts and places. And it took it took his acumen and took his understanding of personal relationships to think, "Oh, powerhouse is going to be the one." Yeah is going to be at the top of our list, you know? And, um, and, and, you know, and it, but it took, it took time for them to have a, have an opening. And, and, you know, you, you also have to be respectful of the fact that powerhouse is at they're at the top of their game right now. You know, I think they're, uh, you know, season two of Castlevania was very popular kinds of people knocking the door down, trying to get them to accept their project. Uh, and then on top of it all, it's, it's COVID. So, so whatever that volume of people multiplied exponentially as yeah, as yeah. more and more production shut down, you know, um, and especially now that, you know, the, the streaming services who, you know, we might, I, in my opinion, I don't think the streaming services are going to go away. Um, even if COVID, well, you know, t- knock on wood, uh, hopefully COVID does side, but I, you know, and, and the movie theaters will, will open again. But I think that you know, the idea of movies going direct to streaming doesn't have the stigma yeah. that it used to. It's become normalized. And, and yeah. now content. Exactly. It, 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 this whole process is really just normalized. It's just like you said. Uh, I think if you are a, per, you know, if you're a creator and you can, you can guarantee a certain level of content, um, you know, it's, it's very much a, a, a seller's market right now. And, uh, and we got very, you know, we got, through through the strength of George's work and 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 the relationships that that David and I were able to procure, um, you know that's that's what that's what gave the the best chance possible for the project to just get to the the place where it's at, which is now we're just pitching. So we're not even there yet. We're still we're still going, you know. <laughs> and with the pitching, did you feel you you should uh, attach voice talent, you know, actors with recognizable voices? Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I benefit from the fact um, that I grew up in the industry. Um, you know, my father's an actor, my actor, my, my sister's an actress, grandmother was a was an actress. Um, yeah, and uh, in the I, I guess take my great aunt. Excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, but um, <laughs> even further back. Yeah, yeah, yeah big family, big big uh, <laughs> yeah. big ex Mormon family. We've got 
Right. Yeah. Okay. Too many, too many people. Um, but, uh, but, but as a result of that, you know, I, I, I just, just as if anybody, you know, anybody that grows up, uh, around their parents' business, yeah. you instinctually know people, you know, and, um, and I know a lot of actors, uh, as a result of it. Um, that doesn't really mean, uh, I think, I think a lot of people think that that means, oh, I can just, you know, snap my fingers and, get uh you know a, a four-star talent to be in my short film or something and some sometimes that is the case you know there's there's some some people who can do that but but now more than ever people really are choosing their projects um and their projects have to have some kind of inherent and and powerful meaning or opportunity uh and and really knowing these people just gives you the opportunity to yeah. uh to knock on the door um, uh, rather it's, it's not like they just will, will be in your stuff. Yeah. At least you bypass the agent to a certain degree, right? You know, you, you got an open That's conversation to start with, uh, you know, cause quite often they're the gatekeepers who uh, yeah, yeah. just keep you out. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, that's, that's, uh, sometimes I'll say sometimes that's what it does. Um, I, I remember, uh, being very excited about a script and asking my dad to read it. His response was, well, did you write it? And I said, no, no, this is a, you know, it's a friend of mine. He's a, a screenwriter. He goes, okay, cool. That sounds really awesome. You should send it to my agent. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I was hoping I didn't need yeah. to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. No, yeah. I've, I've learned, you know, I spent so long, I, I, it, it took a very long time for me to get to the film industry uh, com- comparatively to a lot of uh, the, the people that I now work with who, you know, have been making movies since they were 16 and 15, things like that. I. I very much went in the opposite direction. I, um, I didn't want to be a filmmaker. I wanted to be a teacher. Okay. Um, because, because I, because then I could be a writer. Um, and, uh, which is funny, right? Cause now I know how much a teacher makes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it, well, at least in this country, in this country, you know, Oh, most countries. Really, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, if, maybe if I was a teacher in Japan, I hear that they are, they are revered in Japan. Um, but, um, anyway, I digress. Uh, I wanted to be a teacher. Then my grandmother became uh, ill, and I spent a lot of time with her, and uh, and and I, I became kind of contact religious. And so I thought maybe you know maybe I would join the the church. Oh, really? Um, okay. uh, and go to and go to Fordham University, yeah, which is the the Jesuits. And uh, I became uh, very always on the more liberal side of 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 the Catholic faith, but still Catholic nonetheless. And and when that eventually didn't work out, which is a longer story. Uh, I concluded, okay, I'll be a, I'll be a historian. I'll be a, I'll be a, I'll try to be a professor. And, uh, and it was only until my last year of university that, um, I went to, I picked, I needed to pick up extra credits and I, I took a film history class just for, just for fun. And one of the exercises was to shoot a short film and, uh, immediately, you know, uh, just, it, it was, it fit like a glove. It just like, Oh, all of this makes sense. You know? But it was uh, 2008, and the Great Recession hit, and uh, and being a filmmaker uh, in New York City uh, was just not a very <laughs> <laughs> yeah not an financially, financially not a, yeah. yeah so so I it, I had to take a, I had to take the long route and um, yeah I was a, I worked at a uh, I worked as a bar back at a at a, at a high end restaurant I, I worked at the Apple Store as a specialist. I, I was a tutor, you know, I, I eventually I, 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 I ran the, I, I ran the post, uh, 
uh, lab at New York Film Academy, which which basically taught me uh, post. And I, I basically communicated all of that uh, experience into start into being a, an assistant director, which you know for the for your listeners, um, assistant directing has nothing to do with directing, really even assisting the director. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it, um, you 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 work for the producers really and uh, your job is to uh make sure that your that your your set is safe the, that the movie is on that it is is proceeding on schedule that every department has as much of what you can give them time wise in order for them to do their job and 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 being diplomatic enough to tell honestly mostly the art department that they have to hurry because yeah yeah we we need <laughs> the know, next scene so, done yeah. yeah exactly exactly i you know my 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 empathy for the art department is, is huge. <laughs> but, um, um, but yeah, but, but all of that, all of that then finally got me to at around 2000, really 2012, 2013, to be able to start taking, um, uh, directing seriously. And I did a couple of shorts and, and then I finally, at, and, and the point of all of this exposition, um, uh, is that I asked my father finally, uh, for some help, you know, like, Hey, I'd I'd like to uh, you know I really want to take this filmmaking seriously. <laughs> he, he said, "Oh, that sounds so cool." Um, but you're not an actor, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not, I, I know I'm not an actor. I want to be you know behind the camera." And he goes, "Yeah, I can't really help with that. I don't know those people." <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 true though, right? I mean, like an, an actor an, an actor comes in after all of the pre production and and the and any and, and the pre pre production, you know, like the the act really the the last piece of the puzzle you know and, and 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 they you know and of course they 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 want to be you know an actor very unless an actor is going to be a producer which i i recommend in this day and age i recommend all actors um Try and produce. be yeah, exactly yeah i mean yeah um but uh yeah it's just uh, it's 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 funny you know it, it it takes a long time to get all of this stuff going and uh while while we were putting together Ghosts of Manhattan, I did ask a couple uh, actors that I knew, you know, would you be interested in this concept? And and universally, their reactions were, oh, this looks this looks so cool. Let me know when you have distribution or let me know, you know, and and that's not, you know, a- anybody that's trying to put together a project, they shouldn't think of that as a, you know, as an insult or that the person doesn't doesn't believe in their project. It's it's uh, career-wise an extreme. I mean, it's a minefield to attach yourself to a project that doesn't get off the ground mm. um, as an actor. Because if it doesn't get made, you know, and you put it up on I don't know IMDb or something like that, or it's just known amongst agents that you're the actor that attaches yourself to things. If it doesn't get made, if it doesn't get produced, and it doesn't get put in the can and then distributed, uh, that's that's it's almost like a smudge. Yeah. on your career taints you know? your career yeah exactly and there's so many reasons why a tv show or a short um doesn't get made mm. you know it, it can be it can be it can be as many as many ways as there are to die a a, a project and can, can can fall short you know due to no you know nobody's fault yeah. like just just you know i i always think of that i don't even remember a couple of years ago there was um olympus has fallen and White House Down came out, I think, the same opening weekend. Okay. And they're the same movie. I mean, one's a little bit more comedic because it's got Jamie Foxx in it. 
uh, and the other one's got Gerard Butler. But it's, you know, it's the story of the president is, you know, there's people trying to assassinate the president. And it's the same film. And, you know, how, how hard, you know, whoever, whoever, you know, came whoever second, ever, that's not such a good thing, especially if the first yeah, one did know, all right. It takes, it takes a year at the least to, for almost any type of project uh, to be made. Um, and I just, you know, that there's no, that nobody's fault is that, but who gets blamed? You know, the, 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 once the critics get a hold of it, it's like, oh, this is like a bad version of the movie that just came out. That is a good, the good version, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. um, same thing goes for like deep impact and Armageddon, you know, same exact type movie, but you know, one has Bruce Willis being effectively a space cowboy and it's hard to beat that, you know, versus Elijah Wood, who's trying to tell this really, you know, heartfelt story about, you know, the end of the world and, and you know, Morgan Freeman as president. Um, but yeah, there's so many reasons why a, a project can, can, can not work out. So, so actors, actors have to be careful. Long, long-winded. <laughs> You're a big fan of live action, of course, and one of your other projects, I seem to remember you did a short, you wrote the short, uh, Guardsman, and with the aim of turning that into a feature at some later point. How, how's that going? Are you still working on that? Yes, yes. That, uh, that stuff is, uh, is still in production. Um, you know, fingers crossed, everything comes up roses. You know, I, I think that, I think a way that a lot of people should you know, okay, so so we we now live in the age of the blockbuster franchise. Um, I think I think in 2010 we were in the we we started becoming we came into the age of the blockbuster film, and now you know nobody wants nobody wants one movie. You know, uh, people want people want a, a brace of movies. You know, ten years of of of, uh, of Marvel films and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, Star Wars movies and, um, and DC movies and, and so on and so forth. And they really, um, you know, they really dominate the fundraising part of filmmaking, you know, because if I have a million dollars and I have the option to make a movie, uh, let's say, you know, a heartfelt story of, uh, oh, one of my, here, one of my, uh, my shorts, Hyperion, which is, uh, which is a romance between uh, a woman that has cystic fibrosis. And her boyfriend and her boyfriend desperate to try to make her happy after he's been told by by all the people around him that she's going to die. Yeah. You know, um, now that's not a movie. It's not, you know, it, it's a movie that small percentage of the people who go and watch films are going to. Yeah, it's like. called Art House usually, isn't it? <laughs> Which is somewhat right, derogatory exactly. in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that was that was like my first like bit. You know, I had a Kickstarter. I had. Um, you know, I really, you know, I really, really tried to get that movie made because I had, I had heard this woman, um, uh, actually, no, I, I had heard, a, uh, one of NPR's, which national public radio, um, uh, this, this guy talking about, uh, cystic fibrosis and how, um, it affects, you know, less than a percent of a percent, uh, of people. And it's a very small population. Um, but the, that the people that have cystic fibrosis are such, first of all, they're, they're, they're always young because because if you have this horrible you know uh, uh, genetic disorder you, you, or a disease uh, you um, you know you're probably not going to make it very long. Yeah, the yeah. Person, yeah. All, everyone that has it is super active in their in their community. They're 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 heroic in their 
how much suffering that they go through and, and all they want, you know, all, all the, they, they, they live for the idea that a cure is going to happen. Um, uh, and, and, and the guy just, you know, I, I was, I remember I was, I was, uh, I just moved to Los Angeles and I, I was still getting used to driving because I only started driving in my twenties and I pulled over and, and, and was actually very emotional at listening to this guy talk about these people. And so I, I became so, so committed to getting this movie made. It's, it was, it was almost impossible to find people who would fund it because if I've got a million dollars to make a movie, I'm going to want to give it to Iron Man because Iron Man's going to make me $50 million. Yeah. And, and that's really just right there. That's the math of filmmaking. Um, you make a horror movie because a horror movie is cheaper and the audience is huge. Yeah. Men, women, young and old will watch horror movies. Um, and you get the most bang for your buck. Uh, when, uh, when thinking about a franchise to go after, uh, and, and doing the short, uh, guardsman, um, yeah, the idea is to prove the whole point of a short is kind of to prove a, a, concept. a proof of concept. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I think that, you know, the more that the, the larger franchises open up, the more filmmakers should think of like, if you, if you want to jump to the head of the line, you got to invest in yourself and you've got to do it for free. And you've got to, you've got to realize that because it's a proof, if I make a, if I make a, a, a star Wars fan film, I'm never going to, I'm never going to make any money, you know? Um, because the moment that I make, the moment that I monetize my YouTube account, you know, the, you know, the, the, they, they'll send a, a cease and desist. Most likely they'll send a cease and desist. But I do, I do think that's also changing because J.J. Abrams, for example, uh, has an open call out, I think even right now, um, for fan filmmakers to, yeah, send, you know, there's, there's a Star Wars fan festival, you know, and, uh, and, and a friend of mine made, made one of them, which is this kind of, it's a, it's a reimagining of, uh, of the Darth Vader Obi-Wan fight scene, as if, you know, shot in the, you know, with lots of cuts and lots of craziness, you know, as opposed to that you know, very slow fencer battle from, from the seventies. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting how, how, how doing, doing proof of concept films and then releasing them really, you know, opens people's, opens people's imagination to, to green lighting your project. Um, because ultimately, and it's, and, and again, for, for every filmmaker to know this, um, you know, filmmakers, have to be both artists and businessmen, but the people that run all of the green lights um, very, very often are money people. And I've noticed that money people um, do not, are not artists, you know, um, they, they can't uh, close their eyes and imagine what you're talking about in your pitch. Um, so you create images, but then they can't, they can't animate those images. They can't imagine what it'll look like for real. You know, so you, so you, sh sh you show them a proof of concept, and then they understand it, you know. Um, but before that, you know, the, it, these people just do not have the same faculties that an artist does, um, and that's not a slight against them. That's that's a that's a that's an open call for artists. Like, yeah, you just gotta you know find somebody, find a way to raise, you know, two to three thousand dollars, and and really make a an incredible pitch package because the guy in the room with you most likely won't know how to comprehend your steampunk spaceship story <laughs> right yeah what, what is the um 
just a, a, a simple log line for guardsmen. What's what's your concept there? For uh, for guardsmen, yeah, um, yeah. I guess it would be uh, uh, a beleaguered uh, a beleaguered uh, soldier in the far future is saved by a demigod. I guess that would be. No one's ever asked me that. That's a brutal guy. Yeah, question. sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, you're cool. Yeah. No, you're- it's also, I mean, it's also like three, I think five minutes long. Yeah. So the log line is the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so uh, yeah. did you say that the movie is actually in production right now? The, the feature? Oh, or are you, uh, you're, you're still working on uh, development? I, I, I would say, I'd say it's, it's still uh, in that development, yeah. um, the development part of, uh, of existing. Yeah. Um, but, but the director, you know, um, uh, Richard Boylan, uh, who came from animation actually actually came from video games um and i you know we still we're 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 working on working on stuff uh, so so the hope is again you, you you know for you you wanna you wanna have as many irons as the fire in in the fire as possible because at any point in time somebody can uh can be like hey i'm looking for uh, a story of a, a beleaguered warrior in the far future who gets saved by a demigod and then i can just be like oh got it <laughs> Yeah. So, what, what what's his yeah. um, dilemma? This uh, soldier uh, who is saved by a demigod. What what what's he um, he's saved by the demigod from what? Uh, from I guess from aliens. Okay. Uh, yeah. Right. From 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 uh, from insectoid aliens. Oh, insectoid aliens. Ah. Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, you know, uh, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, of the franchise, which you know, which is obviously huger in uh, in England, but of the, the you know the Warhammer forty thousand. Brand, you know, a game. I guess you call it a game system. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, no. I mean, I'm my every day. I hope uh, to do stuff like that. Um, I I would say that uh, you know there there is there's more opportunity with the higher concept. It seems like these days, uh, the higher the concept uh, universe, the easier it is to sell animation. Ever since things like uh, Honestly, uh, did you ever see um, the Animatrix? No, the name. I'm not sure I did see it. No, when was that? It came out between the Matrix and the Matrix Two, but it was this really incredible anthology of different animated uh, styles okay. that took place in the in, in the Wachowskis universe uh, oh, okay. of the Matrix. Yeah. And um, and then of course the the more recent iteration of that is Love, Death, and Robots. Um, and then, and then, uh, and that, that was on Netflix. Um, and then, uh, Neil Bluecomp, Bluecomp, uh, who did, uh, District 9, he has a, a studio called Oat Studio that, that releases kind of anthological stories a couple times a year. You know, it, a lot of them are, and a lot of those are live action, but it seems like animation, you know, the, the next, the next, let's say the next decade is really going to belong to the animators. Um, not just because of COVID, but like, but just because it's a it's it's a lot it's a lot more manageable. Like you, uh, there's not as much variance. It does take longer, but I'm you know all it's all it's going to take is somebody to understand how to accelerate the programs in order to make it yeah uh, make it faster. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the, the high concept science fiction and high concept fantasy are, are really you know I mean I'll be I'll be honest uh, I'm a nerd. Uh, I've been a nerd since like, you know, eight years old when I picked up a, a Star Wars technical manual and now I'm, and now I'm 34 with, with a, with a child and I, you know, I'm looking around my room where I'm speaking to you right now and it, 
it, it looks like my room when I was 15. <laughs> right, yeah. <you> know? <laughs> yeah. You haven't moved on you all know, that I, much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't. You know, I, I imagine I imagine my father's generation, like, you know, if you liked comic books, that's great. But then eventually you dropped the comic books and picked up, like, a, let's say, a baseball bat and played yeah. sports. Um, and then the expectation after that is for you to stop stop playing sports and, and have a career. I think that the internet... It's it's overall macro effect on 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 my generation at least is that it 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 proved two things one you can make a career out of being a nerd and you know and and you should and 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 you should do the things you love and people that tell you you know people that beat you beat you up which happened to me when I was a kid uh, is just it, it frankly it's just weird like why do you care that I like Star Trek like honestly at the end of the day why does it matter yeah yeah quite. <laughs> Yeah. So, so, you know, so now, you know, in 10 years, I'll, I'll hopefully, you know, again, knock on wood, hopefully I'll be more of a, a position to be a mover and a shaker in, in my industry. First thing that I'm going to go to is my, is my, is my bookshelf and see all of those indie stories and indie books and indie comics that didn't get scooped up by Disney or, or DC and uh and be like hey we can you know we can make this why why not make this yeah so so i i you know and and the easiest way to communicate these high concepts is with animation because there's a you know there's a, there's a separation in your mind if you see something live action like let's say the mandalorian which is incredible mandalorian re- has the benefit of relying on a live action uh core which is the original star wars movies uh if i wanted to do something in say warhammer uh, or, or what, what's another big, uh, franchise out there? Uh, 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 uh Riot Games, uh, I forget, League of Legends. If I wanted to make, if I wanted to make a movie about League of Legends, it would be really hard to make a live action movie out of that. Um, and you get things like, uh, you know, the Warcraft movie, uh, which even though it was extremely successful in China, um, I, I think, you know, was a flop in everywhere else, or at least it wasn't, it wasn't received uh, in, in the, in the kind of popular way. Um, so, so if I, so if you do an animated, uh, movie based on an, a kind of animated style game, uh, there's not that much, you know, you, you don't have to, you don't have to get warm people up as much. Um, yeah. So, and yeah. with, with, with what sort of budget are you working toward? You know, uh, it's, that's an interesting question. Um, and I won't give you a direct answer. Uh, and hopefully I have at least some of my, uh, at least some of my answers have been direct. Um, the ideal would be 30 million or, or 50 million, you know, that would be, that would be the sweet spot for, um, for a high concept yeah. movie. Um, but those, that, those types of budgets are, are, are kind of dead. Um, it's really, really, it's, it's almost harder to make a $30 million movie than it is to make a hundred million dollar movie or $150 million movie. Uh, because if somebody is asking for that much money these days, you need to, you, you need to figure out, um, and I've done this on, on, with that much money, you have to give a guarantee as, as much as somebody can, a guarantee to your investors that they're going to make their money back. And in a big way, uh, if you break even, which, which you know the model used to be in in the industry that if if you break even you're a success yeah. you know you make your money back, yeah. right um but now because there are things like uh black panther for example which i believe their operational budget something was like 95 110 million dollars but it made a billion dollars if i give you if i give you 30 million dollars and i'm an investor and i'm a smart investor and i've 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 looked at the industry 
uh, I know that that's the potential of a good movie. So make me a billion dollars, yeah. you know, um, is, is the response. So, so if I were to say um, what I would be going for, if I wanted to make a movie like, you know, with science fiction elements and with, uh, and with high concept things that you, you, you know, that the regular moviegoer has never seen before, seen before I, would, I, would, I would want to make it for between 30 and $50 million because I know that I can get the, the right cast, the right crew, uh, the right uh, God, the, the right budget for marketing, which is almost more important than the budget for the, for a film, that would be the ideal. Uh, I don't, I don't think I would get it. So I, so my answer would be, I'd, I'd have to figure out how to make it for ten million or seven million. Yeah. When you're talking to investors or potential investors, do they ask, you know, is does this have legs? Uh, is it going to run to a sequel? Could it be a TV show? Is that built into your discussions and maybe even a video game is is that kind of part of the the way of pitching it financially on the indie side a little bit less i think nowadays it's more about i'll give you an example i have you ever heard of a game called the last of us no i haven't no developed by a studio called naughty dog um i would say that they're probably the most some of the most gifted storytellers uh, that aren't in the industry. They, you know, they, they've made a video game and now they've made a sequel to the video game. Um, I know a couple of the people over there, and you know, it is to play that game is to watch the best zombie movie that exists. You know, and when I pl- when I finish playing the game, uh, and by the way, you know, the first the first game will will leave you in tears, and then the second game will make you physically angry at how stubborn human beings can be. And this is a this is a video game making you feel these things, which is probably the hardest thing storytellers struggle with. I I went to one of them and I was like, I am not big enough or 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 influential enough to make this movie, but my God, I would love to make this movie. And I had a very candid uh, internal conversation where more or less what happened was where it's uh, the conclusion was, why would we make a movie? We've already made the game. The game is the movie. Yeah, you know, and. And so what I've realized as, you know, kind of going forward that the relationship between the video game industry and the movie industry um, has kind of gotten further and further apart where it used to be intertwined, Yeah, you know, um, because video games are, video games are their own market now and, and, and in some ways bigger than the, than the movie industry. But I, you know, I, I very much want to uh, get out of the episodic world and, and get into features and hopefully, you know, when I'm regularly making features, I would still like to regularly make shorts as well. I think I think that there is a, there there's an excellent quality that comes from being able to work on a short film. What was the um, feature that you uh, were hoping to make before COVID arrived? It's the story of this uh, this kind of down and out boxer uh, who now gets paid to throw fights, and um, and. And and the the movie opens with with him experiencing one of these eldritch horrors, um, and he as a result he accidentally kills the guy that he's fighting against. So it becomes a story about him trying to get out of town with his daughter, and he's being chased by both the the people who, and of course it's the Russian mob, right? Um, the the people who part of the family of the boxer that he killed, and um, and these and these kind of monster these monsters that want him for uh, for his blood his blood is special um, 
and uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a cool little movie. Um, it was uh, it's written. Uh, I, I did a draft of it, um, uh, but the, but the team behind it is is really great. The producer uh, Mark Andrews, who uh, who's English, but he lives out in Colorado, which I always find really interesting, and I don't know why. But have you ever been to Colorado? No, no, I haven't. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a bit out of the way. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly, and you know it's a landlocked state, and you know but you can't. It's it's an interesting place, a yeah. bunch of mountains. And was he directing? Going to direct, or were you going to direct? I was going to direct. Um, he he was going to uh, he was going to produce. Um, and uh, and it was we were we were trying to figure out uh, figure out how to how to make it. Um, the original writer uh, Genghis. Genghis Dervis, who who's, who's a brilliant uh, actor, he's in Nightfall. Uh, he was going to be our our, uh, our lead, but you know, but but then but then uh, then really March came along, and uh, yeah, I, I think uh, so many yeah. people pushing for us to open quicker and quicker and quicker has now resulted in this. You know, America is basically quarantined from the world. You know, and um, and frankly, you know, I. I felt this level of embarrassment when I was in my you know, early teens when we when we had Bush as the president. I've always I've always traveled, uh, uh, very privileged to have always traveled with with my father for work. And and you know I, I remember feeling embarrassed for being an American uh, back in you know, like two thousand two and two thousand three. Now uh, the, the last time that I went to England, um, oh my god, and and I was I was briefly in in Poland, the, the level of like disgust that gets directed at me is not only justified because of how this administration just seems to stumble from one catastrophe to another. And I don't, I don't mind saying, I know, I know that, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of people that say that filmmakers have, you know, have to stop being political. I don't think I'm being political by saying that the Trump administration is, you know, the worst thing to happen to the planet in a hundred years. Um, uh, but it's, it's, it is interesting how I'll give you an example. Our neighbor, our closest neighbor to the North, Canada has just completely closed the border and it, and it doesn't really matter why you want to get in. It's, there's so many, uh, reasons why they just say just no. You know, I, I had a friend who had a, had a, had a job up there. And even though the production was advocating for him to have the position, the Canadian government wouldn't wouldn't give them uh, the yes, and so he he lost the job. Uh, that's happening more and more, and as a result, you know, places that have started shooting again—New uh, Zealand, Australia, uh, Germany, got Spain. Spain's all over productions, and Eastern Europe, uh, especially. They just kind of—it's interesting how they just don't. They're really not in. They just don't really. Want, they don't want to deal with it. You know, they don't want to deal with uh, yeah. an American. Yeah, it's a almost out of control in some ways yeah a bit like like the uk i mean i don't know how i'm I'm originally you know from new york i live in la um i know nine people who have passed away from this thing and i know know, over 15 people who have had it or or still have it um you know my the the guy who who uh my one of my best friends and, and and an actor that i worked with the daniel harry his wife is still recovering you know has recovered from from not you know, not yeah. being this sick. is post-viral kind of fatigue syndrome and other symptoms. Yeah, she, she yeah. still doesn't have a full lung capacity. You know, that might be, that might be with her for the rest of her life. Yeah, this is what so many people forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and but and you know, in our country, we have this you know this this looming monolithic problem that that it seems like 
you know, we'll have to deal with in probably the next year or two. But pre-existing conditions uh, really locks you out of a lot of things. Like if you've had COVID, for example, uh, I think right now you're not allowed to be in the military. Like they, they just will not let, like carte blanche, can't join right. the military. And a lot of people in this country use the military to kind of jumpstart their lives, you know, to, to get into college and to, yeah. you know, and um, so that's a problem. Uh, but like people like my, my aunt, for example, who, who got it or my cousin, oh my God, my cousin who got it, she's, she's a, a year or two older than me. Um, she now has a pre-existing condition that will be with her for the next, for the rest of her life. And which might, which might mean that she can't afford healthcare. She's got two kids. Um, so it's just, it's just, and of course, I don't, I don't mean every conversation to, to fall back into talking about COVID, but uh, to bring us back to filmmaking, I, I, I think it's going to be difficult for me and the industry to get back on our feet on a global level. And even though I know a lot of people who have gone back to work now, I've talked to a couple producers and they have just said, I'll stay on unemployment because it's not worth, like, trying to have a set right now is is hell you know yeah um yeah and insurance and all, all that side of it as well yeah a good thing a good thing to keep in mind for anybody that's listening that is in the united states there is actually no insurance for covid um that's that's uh they they have insurance waivers which is basically just a statement that you won't sue if you get covid on a set but there is currently as far as i'm concerned and i've talked to dozens of producers um there is no insurance for a for a set like if if someone on set gets it um the production more or less has to have a different type of insurance that will pay that person but but there is no like covid yeah insurance it's gonna take a while mm. it's gonna it's gonna take a while so that's why uh that's why my my live action uh aspirations have kind of taken a back burner uh, and I'm focusing more on animation. On animation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, which I recommend, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't know anything about animation. Uh, oh my gosh, it is the 10th month. So really 12 months ago, I didn't know anything about the animation uh, industry. I, I had, I was working on an animation project, but really the, the buying and selling of content, I didn't know anything about. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other animation projects on the go? <clears throat> yeah, so my uh, my company uh, I started with 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 a group of friends, and it's called Lost Legion Studios, um, and we are currently in development for a project called Genus, uh, which my uh, friend and business partner Andrew Chan, Andrew William Chan, um, is going to be. Uh, we're, we're developing uh, actually today. You know, I'll be I'll be talking with him about some character designs. But he has written this this really interesting story uh, due to climate change, uh, a, a, a primordial type of fungus has uh, has been released back into the world. And these 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 people are are going in and trying to trying to figure out what it is. And and uh, it's really cool. At first, you think it's an alien story like uh, like the thing. But I guess imagine the thing uh, blended with um, Outbreak. Uh, if you've seen the Dustin Hoffman movie, um, but it's uh, yeah, no, it's it's a really yeah, really interesting sure. project. Yeah, very timely by the sounds of it. <laughs> yeah, no, it, yeah. it's funny. It's funny. It's 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 been on his, uh, you know, for him, it's been on the back burner. He's a he's a you know very accomplished filmmaker himself, 
uh, and uh, and he had it in, in in kind of his back pocket. And and while sitting in quarantine, he was like, "Oh yeah, I have this. I have this project." And so, uh, you know, we we have we have a group of really amazing character uh, design artists out in Spain and Finland. Again, you know, you can be remote for for an animated project. Um, yeah. And so, w- when you're approaching these guys, I mean, are you able to pay them? I think maybe a, a small be just to get things started or how does it work really the trick with indie filmmaking uh a thing that again a thing to strategize for uh let me put it this way you uh you can never get the sound guy to work for free <laughs> um yeah yeah no that's true dp for <laughs> DP, sure editor yes. maybe <laughs> actors definitely um but the sound guy you always have to pay that guy yeah um what i've learned in animation is character design um because it's something that they Think, think of everything that animators make as very much being in the real estate world. If they design a character, um, that's a physically, even though it exists on a computer, it's a physical thing, right? Um, so th- when yeah. you have a physical thing, uh, same thing goes for DPs. Like if they, ha- if they own a camera, it's their decision to get into bed with you, right? They've already done the, the, the grunt work yeah. of creating a thing. And now you're basically asking to tell a story with it. Um, they can make the choice to become your partner. Uh, you do need to become partners. Um, you know, they need to get a bigger piece of the credit pie. Uh, but um, but you can you can get those types of people to um, gen- generally to 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 work with you because you're most likely you're working for free too, right? A lot of people, yeah, exactly, yeah, that. in it but, together, um, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and that's yeah. where that's where being a director, uh, uh, you you really have to be diplomatic. You know, you have to, you have to reach across the creative aisle. Um, you can't just, you know, you can't be Kubrick. You can't demand a uh, hundred thousand uh, different versions of something. Um, you have yeah, to, yeah, you have to yeah, let that yeah. person ha- have a legitimate stake and a voice inside of the project that you're directing. And what I've, what I've realized with working with, you know, we're, we're very much like a startup, uh, is that I have enjoyed bringing in, we have eight members. You know, one of them is an animator. Uh, another guy's an Unreal generalist, um, which is the which is the program that we use. And and we've got a post production supervisor, uh, some voice talent here and there. You know, all of them are shareholders. So if so, if this project, yeah. um, and I, I do believe it will, um, gets sold, uh, there's going to be you know uh, like like eight percent of the overall uh, budget will then go back to those shareholders. Okay, and you have all that written down and agreed. All of it, oh yes, yeah. uh, written down in a contract, a co- an international contract, was which was really interesting to try to navigate because Finland does not give a crap about the rest of the planet. You have to, you have to make, <laughs> yeah. you have to make can, a, can addendum, yeah, for them specifically. Um, you know, they don't believe in a lot of uh, online, uh, like Amazon, for example. Like they just 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 doesn't fly there. Um, PayPal doesn't. You know, I have to. Have to figure out how to get money out to them mm. in, in completely different ways. It's 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 a really interesting country. Um, I hope to one day go yeah. to 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 meet my team members that are there. But yeah, that's that's really the best way with a long term project. That's in my opinion, that's the only way of doing it. And and making sure your 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 work ethic is clean, you know, versus what I've seen a lot of other people do. And um, a project that I was I was on uh, in the. the just a couple, like about a year ago, you can't be a dictator. And frankly, you shouldn't. I, I don't believe in, even when I was an AD, I never saw the value in being kind of like a drill instructor. 
Yeah, some people have that sort of barking thing that, going on, don't they? But I, yeah, I, I, mean, I, look, I, I worked. I worked for ten years as an AD before I before I uh, you know hung my hat up and um, and I saw a lot of different types of, of of styles of ADing. I think I think a lot of producers like that drill instructor AD because they feel like things are happening. Mm-hmm. You know, if they can hear somebody getting chewed out, it's like, oh, I'm getting my money for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And perhaps like, maybe that's why I wasn't uh, more successful as an AD because it just, I, I mean, frankly, I, 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 you know, I briefly taught uh, high school classes um, back in New York City um, and, uh, and then eventually uh, taught a few classes, you know, w- related to Apple and related to the New York Film Academy. And you never get anything out of screaming at someone. Like the only thing you, you'll get the bare minimum if they. Can. Wait, yeah, you won't get the best anyway. Right, exactly. Versus if, you know, when I asked, and you know, I mean, a good thing for every aspiring AD to realize is that, and and I have I have asked this question to many DPs. You know, if I gave you infinite time and an infinite budget, would would you ever would you ever be on time with your shots and yeah, from 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 some some very extremely accomplished DPs, they have always flatly and very decisively said, "Absolutely not." You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Yeah. But, but then, if that's the truth, right? If that's then, then why would you try to go to war with the head of you know three departments, which which the which the the director of photography is? Better to make that person an ally, and have him work with you, and have him and then have him work with the rest of. You know, because the only thing that a good DP is focusing on is is the image. You know, um, but as yeah. a result, you have yeah, you rush these guys. They they feel flustered and they're going to make mistakes just like anyone else. The only person they're going to blame is you. You know, yeah. Um, and a lot of yeah. DPs I've worked with start the you know start a project blaming the AD because they're so used to they're so used to fighting that battle. So yeah, yeah. So uh, I might I might forget I might have forgotten the question you were asking, but. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I mean, sort of taking it a little bit back, back to we were talking about the contract for the the project with with this uh, animation team, and what what's your sort of time scale on that uh, to to be able to present uh, a full package with script and, and maybe um, proof of concept kind of. Real? I I I would say most likely we'll have something in the next couple months, like. Probably, I would say start of the year. Once we'll have something to start pitching to people at the at in quarter one. Uh, once people get back from from like holidays and stuff like that. Although the, I don't know what holiday season is going to look like since everybody's already home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, been interesting, and uh, yeah, I think we should uh, wrap it up here. Um, let you get on with your day. Um, no, it was a pleasure to very much pleasure to chat to with you. Um, yeah, and I look forward to hopefully being able to update you with good news on on all fronts. Yeah, sounds exciting. Great. Okay. Bye. Bye for now. I was talking just now to writer, director, and producer Bowman Modine. I'm Nicholas Penrake, and you've been listening to One Good Take. Thanks for joining us.